Good morning. My name is Amanda Hemela. I am a member here at Communitas Church. And welcome to church, everyone. And for those of you joining us online, glad you can join us. Good morning. We will be celebrating communion this morning. So for those of you online, again, if you want to gather your, take this time to gather your communion elements, typically consists of some bread or crackers and juice. And for those of you who are here in church, we have communion stations set up on both sides of me and in the back. And um, they're set up with little little dual stations, I guess, or little um, groupings. Uh, the bottom is the cracker and the top is the juice. So when you go grab your communion, just grab one little um, grouping. We do worship with our giving here at Communitas Church. We won't be passing the baskets, but there are three ways to give your tithes and offerings. One is online. You can give online at communitaschurch.com. You can mail in a check to 824 Laurel Street, Brainerd, 56401. Or um, if you're here at church, you can put your tithes and offerings in the baskets that are located by the communion elements, and you can do that during communion or after the service. We love when people get connected here at Communitas, so if you're interested in joining a community group, uh, if you're interested in membership, in volunteering, and sharing your gifts with the church, or if you just want to get on the email list because you're not getting our emails, you can talk to any of our leaders, or you can email Pastor Mike at Mike, M-I-K-E, dot Gary, G-A-R-R-Y, at communitaschurch.com. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing everyone here this morning. And those who are on online, thank you for bringing them here. God, we ask that you would fill our homes and fill this church with your presence. God, I just ask that you would tune our ears to hear what you want us to hear and to take in what you want us to learn this morning. In your name, amen. You can stand if you're in the room and you'd like to stand. Feel free to stand. Um, let's start our time together today with Psalm 138, in the Song of David. To you, Lord, I give my whole heart, a heart filled with praise, for I am grateful. Before the gods, my heart sings praises to you and you alone. I bow before you, looking to your holy temple, and praise your name for your unfailing love and your truth. For you have placed your name and your word over all things in all time. <clears throat> On the day I needed you, I called and you responded and infused my soul with strength. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O eternal one, because they have heard the words you have spoken. They will marvel at the eternal's ways and they will sing, for great is the glory of you, God. Although he is greatest of all, he is attentive to the needy and keeps his distance from the proud and pompous. Whenever I walk into trouble, Lord, you are there to bring me out. You hold out your hand to protect me against the wrath of my enemies and hold me safely in your right hand. The Eternal will finish what he started in me. Your faithful love, O Eternal One, lasts forever. Do not give up on what your hands have made. Lord, this morning, would we remember you as we look back on our lives and we look at those moments where we were able to um, 
where we were drawn to you, where we were, we were able to see you clearly in those moments uh, that you have called us, and um, those moments that you have provided for us. And so moving forward today and in our lives, Lord, would we trust you and be uh, in a state of surrender to you, Lord, trusting that you will continue to take care of us and to fulfill your plans. In your good name, amen. Just want to make sure we weren't going to do a, a reprisal there. That would have been embarrassing. I guess that would have just sung. That would have been fine. Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God and to love people and build disciples who walk in grace, who uh, gather, who grow in their faith. And we do this by gathering in groups and then exploring the way that the Lord has gifted us, the way the Lord has uniquely made us, that we would use those gifts not for our own benefit, not for our own glorification, but that we would use that to serve generously in and around the Brandon Lakes area and around the world to make more disciples that love God and love people and gather in this rhythm of grow, gathering together that we would grow together and then would go together. And so, as Amanda said, we worship in a number of different ways. We do this through gathering, just by saying, hey, we're going to take some time, we're going to dedicate to being either here at 824 Laurel Street or uh, sitting down at our, at our place. Well, some of you, you sent me pictures, you were doing handstands last week, so that's cool. Um, but we take this time to set it apart so that whether, whether we're gathering physically or virtually, that, that this is an important time for us to be together and that we're going to participate in various rhythms, knowing that there's both explicit benefits, ones that we can see, and then also implicit benefits, things that, that we don't necessarily see or can't necessarily measure, but we learn long term what's important. And we, well, there's certain benefit of just being in various rhythms where, where there's things that happen where we're making connections and we're, we're exemplifying and we're showing the world around us of being that sign, that symbol that we've been called to be, that blessing that we would bless the world around us. Um, so we're going to do what is... Uh, we do every week. Right? We're going to do communion. So one of the ways that we express our worship um, is through communion. We celebrate what's called open table. Um, and so that means that uh, you don't need to be a member of Communitas Church, but we would ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And so if that is you, if you are tuning in, whether you're um, online or you're here in the building, if you are a repentant follower of Jesus, we would invite you to come to the table. And so why do we do communion? Well, communion does at least two things. One, um, this is in the, some of that implicit, explicit that we talked about. Uh, explicitly, it, it shows us and it reminds us personally that, yeah, I, I'm a believer. That I've surrendered my life to Christ and I'm lining my life up with His. I'm, I'm basing my significance and I'm being sustained not by my own efforts, but by the fact that He's accepted me. That before I was doing anything while I was lost and dead to sin, that that he drew, he drew me to himself and gave me life. And so that's one thing that it reminds me. And then implicitly, something that, that we just kind of gain through, kind of, uh, through observation is that we see and we're encouraged by others. We see I'm, I'm not alone. And we're reminded that we've been created from unity for unity. And so we, we've come out of, of triune community and we're, we're built for that. And that's not an a personality type thing that's not an introvert extrovert thing that's a that's an identity that's a created in the image of god thing and so we're reminded of that when we participate so uh, we're gonna take a few moments to to think a little bit about who is god the father 
and what has he done and who is God the Son and how did Jesus live his life and how does that inform the way that I live my life and then who is God the Holy Spirit and what is he trying to do in and through me and we're going to pray that the Lord is going to do uh, you know one of three if not more things during this time one that he would convict us of our sin right sin is this barrier that keeps us from enjoying complete fellowship to the Lord And so it's good to be convicted of our sin. It means that we're listening to the voice of the Lord and we're learning what it's like to be who He's created us to be, right? And so it's it's good to be convicted of sin because then we can bring that to Him to receive forgiveness. And then we're also going to ask that He would confirm in us the things that we're doing that are good. Because there may be some things that we're doing that are good that we need to continue to do. Right, that we would continue to grow. If you, you know, when you see a, a, a plant begin to bud, you don't stop watering it. Right? You keep watering it. You keep tending it to it. So what are those rhythms? What are those things that we're doing that are good that we need to continue to do? And then finally, we're going to pray that, that, he would, um, that, that He would bring specific names and faces and times and places where we can more uh, articulately and more explicitly convey the Gospel message to the world around us, right? Because this isn't a, a faith that we hold. This is a faith that we share. We're to be carriers of mercy. We're to dole out what we have received. And if and if you're just kind of kicking around the tires of the faith, if you're, if you're, you're watching and you're in here and you're going, yeah, I don't, I don't really know about who this Jesus guy is. I'm just exploring. And we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're listening. And we're glad that you're participating and that you're exploring. And so I, we would encourage you to ask these same questions of who is God the Father and what has He done for me? Who is God the Son and how did Jesus live His life and what, how does that inform the way that I live my life? And then who is God the Holy Spirit and what is God the Holy Spirit trying to do in and, th- and through me? And what are some specific names and faces and times and places where He's, he's calling me to more articulately convey the Gospel? What are the things He's doing that He's confirming in me that I should continue? And what are the sins that He's convicting me of that I need to bring before me? I need to repent and then to come under His Lordship. So I'll pray. We'll take some time in silence. And as you're ready, come on forward, and uh, Kelly will play some music. And grab the elements to the left and to the right. And if you're at home, uh, grab a, you know, just usually a liquid and a solid. Um, traditionally, this has been cracker and juice, uh, but we've seen some interesting iterations of that. So feel free to grab that. And then, um, and then after a little bit of time, I'll come back up, and I'll read the words from Scripture, and then we'll all partake of the meal together. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for this good world that you have created. Um, and Lord, we, we're sorry that we've broken it. We're sorry that, um, that our lack of, of understanding of who you are, our, our inability to surrender our own whims to your will, has caused fracture and brokenness and that that said a ripple effect throughout time and throughout every facet and aspect of of our life both seen and unseen but jesus we thank you for your redemption we thank you that you have come that you have lived that you have died that you have risen again and so those who follow you lord as we we partake in this meal holy spirit would you continue to work in and through us convict us of our sin confirm in us the things that are good bring us specific names and faces and times and places where you're calling us to to convey this gospel message to the world around you, to be the sign that you've made us to be. Thank you for speaking us during these times. Thank you, Kelly. 
The last time that Jesus was together with his friends, they celebrated this meal of Passover, which was a traditional meal celebrated uh, by the, the nation of Israel and, and those who had joined with them to remember that the Lord had brought them out of slavery in Egypt. 400 years of slavery and oppression, and the Lord uh, brings them out. Not because they'd done anything, right? Like, were these intrinsically better people than anybody else on the planet? No, they were. It's just that they'd been oppressed and that they were they were enslaved. And the Lord said, "This isn't good." So I'm constantly moving things toward what is good and away from that which is evil and which seeks to destroy and leads to death. The Lord says, "I'm constantly bringing toward life and away from death." And so this meal was celebrated to remember that. And so when we gather together, we celebrate this meal to remember what the Lord is doing. So as they're gathered together, they're eating the meal, and, and Jesus takes the bread, and knowing that it, it symbolizes you know, the brokenness that's about to come to His body, the beating that He's going to take on our behalf. He breaks it, and He gives it to His disciples, and He says, take and eat. This is My body. Knowing that His blood would pour out, He took the cup, and when He given thanks, He gave it to them. He said, drink of it, all of you, for this is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we, we thank You for this forgiveness and for this covenant, this way of life that You've shown us and that You've invited us to participate in with You. Lord, we pray that we would hear Your voice and answer that call. Amen. Okay, there's some uh, blue buckets in the back. We won't be passing those today, but uh, if you're in the room with us, feel free to just take these cups and uh, pitch them in there on your way out. And uh, if they fall and roll around, that's okay. Uh, they make noise. It's kind of funny. It's not going to be be a distraction. Uh, also, kids, I always appreciate those of you who are who are in the room. I know that uh, it's kind of a long time to to sit still, and you always do such a great job. And it's great to see you, and a uh, privilege to be able to worship and participate in this life with you all. So at this time, uh, we're going to continue our way through Numbers. We'll be looking at Numbers 13 through 15. And so if you have a paper Bible and you want to pull that out, feel free. Numbers is the third book in the Old Testament. So um, most of the pages will be to your right. Uh, but if you're flipping through, you get Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Did I say that Numbers is the third book? It's in fact the fourth book. You know, ironic numbers, not really my strong suit. Uh, and then we'll get to... Uh, so the fourth book, if you start getting into Deuteronomy or uh, Joshua, Judges, come back a little bit. If you start getting into names, come back a, a long way. Uh, and then we'll have, um, you'll get back into numbers. We'll be 13 through 15. And then we will, uh, if you have a mobile device and you want to follow along there, feel free to take that out and do what you need to do for that. Otherwise, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. And so Seth, whenever you're ready, if you want to come up, uh, we'll be reading some select passages out of Numbers 13 through 15. At the end of 40 days, they returned to spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which he sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. In 14, 1 through 4. 
Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. 11 to 24. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me, and how long will they not believe in me, in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, It is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, <clears throat> visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers and none of these who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. In 15. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner and it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes which you are inclined to whore after so you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God and I am the Lord your God Amen Thank you, Seth, and thank you, Lord, for your word that we're able to gather together and to read it. We pray that it would inform us about who you are and what you've done and, and who we are and what we are to do. Um, 
was hot yesterday, so it got me thinking about wintertime. And my, growing up, my brother, uh, so my brother is six years younger than me, and, uh, and I, my, my room was in the, uh, the basement in the corner of the house that was at the bottom of the sledding hill that came out of our neighbor's backyard. And so I would hear my brother when I was doing my homework, and you know, he's younger, so he doesn't have homework to do, and I, so I'd hear this of his sled coming down the hill and zipping by the house or whatever else. And then and sometimes I'd hear, I was like, man, he's, he's really getting close. And then one day I'm hearing this, just ran right into my window. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I was like, oh, look out, you know, you okay, dude? And he's just kind of yard sale laying there. It's like, yeah, I'm okay. I was like, all right. And so he gets back up and you know, a little while later, you know, Okay, he's got it figured out. Well, a couple days go by, and all of a sudden, boom! And you're like, you okay? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I thought I could save it. I was like, all right, well, just like, you know, ditch it next time. Like, <laughs> it's a $5 sled. It'll be okay. And, uh, and then this continues, and finally my dad, who's in the opposite part of the house, like up, you know, second floor on the other end, hears it, and he's like, dude, what are you doing, man? And so, you know, my brother's like, oh, I thought I could save it. You know, but, like, and, and my dad's like, no, just, just bail. Like, so we actually had to go out and teach my brother, really interesting, like teach my younger brother, go down, tip over, and, and fall. Like just don't run into the house, just tip over and fall. It'll be okay. But he, because he had this mentality like, oh, I, I think I can save it, right? Like I, I can, if I just stick my line, I think I can make it happen. And this is the inner disposition of so many of our souls, right? I mean, this is, this is what's happening in the story today, Right? This is the people like, oh, I think we can figure it out on our own. And so, uh, so I want to just talk a little bit of background, then we're going to get back into that. And so what's going on in the story, just to kind of catch us all up. So we've come out of, out of Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. And so out of, you know, so the Lord says, I'm going to create this people, but those people are going to go into Exodus. And Exodus is a story of the way that the Lord takes these people out of slavery in Egypt and then brings them out into uh, the wilderness. And then Leviticus, he's going to pull them aside. Why does he bring them out into the wilderness? Why, why do we have Leviticus? What does Leviticus help us do? It helps us to do what? To understand our atonement, to understand our forgiveness so that we can help others understand that. Because you know, we're prone to forget and so the Lord's like, hey, we're going to write this down. So Leviticus gets really detailed. Why? Because you know, we need detail sometimes because we're prone to go in other ways. And the Lord's going to bring us out. And, and we're close. I mean, we're talking like this walk that they're on. So, I mean, when he says, hey, we're going to send the spies out, and they go out, and they kind of walk around for a bit, and they come back. I mean, the, the nation of Israel is 10 days away. They're 10 days away. Like, numbers should end at Numbers 13. That should be the end of the book. That should be, which should just be like, and the people went off, and they were into the promised land, the end. But our lives aren't a fairy tale, are they? Our lives are, are, are wrought with, with tragedy and disappointment and disobedience and, and a yearning for satisfaction in the temporal and an inability to see the eternal. And so what happens is, is these people go into the wilderness. And if you've, if you've grown up in, in churches or if you've re, if you read children's Bible, sometimes we, we get this story is all about you know, being strong and courageous in the Lord. And, and that's nice, but... But we're also going to see that, that it's actually the, the Lord's grace and His great mercy and His abounding steadfast love. That's the centerpiece of this story. And so the Lord sends these people out. And, and then, the, so 12 people 
one from each tribe. So tribes big and small. Some tribes are bigger than others. And so we see that there's communal responsibility here. That each, regardless of how big the tribe was, they each were supposed to take a representative and send them out to go, to go check everything out. And they're going to bring a, a report back to encourage the people. And so two of them come back and they're like, oh yeah, this is like, we're good. But 10 of them are freaked, right? They go back like, oh yeah, like there's, like the, the soil is good. It's going to be great. Like that, that part's fine. But the people there are really big and we're really scared. And so then what happens, right? Fear spreads like a wildfire throughout the people. So much of the fact that these people who've been living in slavery for generations, who are just a few years removed from that, say, oh, we should go back. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being liberated, given your life back, but then saying, no, I'm going to go back to that thing that destroyed my life. It seems so counterintuitive, but it's, it's what we do all the time, is it not? I mean, how many times have, we, have we, we, we start to do the thing that's good for us? We become the, the person who, who the Lord has made us to be. We come to know who the Lord is. But we, we plateau, we stop, and we, we go back. And, and so what happens is, is the people get hung up on their perspective versus the Lord's perspective. They fail. They 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 bring a report like they weren't supposed to. Like nobody was asking them about how big the people were. They just wanted to know: Could you go grapes there? Oh yeah, we can go grapes, but the people are really big. Hey, don't be so concerned about the how, right? Because remember, this is the Lord that brought you out of the hand of the the global superpower, the most powerful nation in the world. And the Lord's like, "Yep, you're coming with me." But then these peddly little tribes, you go, "Oh, they're big people." We get hung up in our circumstances, become more, uh, come, become bigger to us than the Lord is. And and so what I, what I love about this is, is so we we see the Lord is he, he doles all this punishment, right? And it's and and so some of us were like, oh, this this isn't fair. But how many of us, you know, if you remember, like as a kid, or, or um, I remember there would be these times when when I would I, I was my, my parents would tell me no. To something, you know, like I was misbehaving. My parents are like, you know, you can't, you can't open this thing that that was given to you, or like you're you're not going to get dessert tonight. Did that mean they were going to withhold food from me forever? No, they just said like, hey, look, you're, you're being kind of a punk, and you need to cool it for a second, but you can have ice cream later, like tomorrow, provided you change a little bit, right? And so this is some of what the Lord is doing here. He's saying, hey, look, you're gonna have to go wander for forty years. Because when you come in, like you, we need to be united here. We need to be all moving in the same direction, and and I need you to be, I need you to be all in. And the people are are so hung up on their circumstances. No, we're gonna we're gonna take some extra time. Because why why do we go out in the wilderness? This is what I love about. Let's look at fourteen, um, right there in the beginning, verses uh, uh, verse three it says, "Why the Lord is bringing us into this land to fall by the sword." He said, no, I'm not bringing you into the land to fall by the sword. Why did the Lord bring them out into the wilderness? Why does He bring them out there? Why does the Lord bring people out into, the psalmist writes about this and talks about being brought out into the open space, into the broad place. Why? So you can learn to listen to His voice. And we see this even in the way that, what's the, what's the, punish, the, the punishment that the Lord gives? Is you're going to go be shepherds. 
Now, to us, we go, okay, that's cool. Like, I've seen, you know, films of Scotland and the sheep. That's, you know, that seems like it should be okay. Uh, this is, don't, don't envision Scotland. Uh, remember, this is very sandy. This is very dusty. The sheep and the goats that these people would have been herding are eating just like little bits of stubble. Little bits of, like, it's difficult. But what you learn about sheep is that, especially in, in, in even in, in modern-day Palestinian Bedouin societies, um, and you can, you can go on YouTube, like check this out. Just search John 10, 25, or 27 on YouTube and, and follow my voice. And you'll, you'll see, like they have, there are videos of, of these farmers and these shepherds that go out and, and the sheep follow the shepherd's voice. They don't follow anybody else's voice, but they follow the shepherd's voice. And so that's what the purpose of the wilderness is. is I'm not going to bring you out here to kill you. I'm bringing you out here so that you can learn to listen to my voice and follow my ways. How do we know this? Well, what's the, next, what's the very next piece? So we get to the end of 14, and we see that the people go out again. You know, so they, they realize, okay, so our strength was, was not sufficient enough to overcome these people. But they decide, okay, well, we're going to go try it anyway. You know, they're still just puffed up on their pride. They get absolutely obliterated in battle. And then there's this section, chapter 15, it's all about laws and sacrifices. And if, if you're reading through it, this seem, does this not seem weird? So you have this story about, about the spies and about the way the Lord is going to be gracious to His people. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, it's like this quick flip back to Leviticus. All of a sudden, we're, we're talking law code in the middle of a, a narrative. You know, like this is like, an, you know, that you're in the midst of an action movie and then somebody just stops to read you like a courtroom document. Does that make any sense to anybody else? Like, does, does, am I the only one that thought that was weird? Okay, so we, we're all kind of like, some of us are like, yeah, okay, that, that is kind of weird. What's that trying to communicate to the people? What, is the, what does law communicate? When you see law, think covenant. When you see law, think hope. What's the Lord doing? He's reminding the people, right? So we talked about a few weeks ago how the, the camp was laid out so that every morning the people would get up and they'd they'd come out of their tent and they would see the glory of the Lord, so that you'd get up every morning and you'd be aware of the glory of the Lord. You go to bed aware of the glory of the Lord. Everything that you would do, the center of your life was the glory of the Lord. They they forgot that, and so and the Lord's like, hey, but but remember that part of my glory is that there's there's this barrier because of your sin. There, there, there needs to be sacrifice. And so he goes right back into the law and he says, hey, remember that there's, there isn't anything that you can do that's going to, to make me love you any less. And there's nothing you can do that can make, you, make me love you any more. And that, and that these sacrifices, this law code, is, is that reminder that the Lord says, I've made the way for you back to me. We begin with acceptance and then we move to obedience. We don't, you don't obey me so that I would accept you. We're going to start with acceptance and I'm going to invite you into obedience. And so what I love about this is then right at the end, he says he's going to give them these tassels, right? Kind of weird. It's like, oh, here, you're going to get, you're going to get four tassels that you're going to always wear. Why would some, like, what's, what's so significant about tassels? Has anyone ever had a job where you've had to wear a uniform? Okay, right? And so and maybe you've got where, like, where you're out traveling and, and you go someplace and people know who you are, what you're supposed to be doing there based on 
a name tag or a shirt or or some sort of uniform, right? In the now, and if we can think back, this isn't a new idea, right? Like, and this isn't just a, a commerce idea. If we can think back, if you were with us to Genesis, Joseph was given what? A coat, and it had many colors on it. And what and what was the issue with that? was all of a sudden it gave him elevated status because what your garment, what you wore was symbolic of your status. What you wore communicated to the world around you who you were. And so now the Lord is saying, so in the midst of their disobedience, in the midst of the fact that they've, they've said, yeah, Lord, we want to get rid of what you've given us and we want to go back to our, our slavery. We want to go back to what was horrible. We want to leave what is good and go to what is bad. We want to go from life. We want to go back to death. The Lord is going to remind them that He's forgiven them. And then He's going to clothe them. He's going to give them a garment. He's saying, I'm going to make you into a nation. You're going to become a people that are to be a sign of My glory throughout the world. You're going to show the world what it means to be human, what it means to follow Me. And so He says, I'm going to give you now these tassels. He's going to give them a different dress. You're going to have an entire nation that is going to be cloaked in a similar garment. You're going to have an entire nation who's been made to be a kingdom not with priests, but of priests who are now going to go out and display the world's goodness and His glory, His graciousness, His forgiveness, and His eternal and everlasting love to the world around them. And so you say, every morning you're going to have these tassels on and you're going to remember who I am. You're going to remember my grace. You're going to remember my mercy. And then you as a people are going to go out into the world and you are going to be a sign to remind the world around you who I am and what I have done and who you are and how you're to live as a result that I've given you grace and mercy, that you would extend grace and mercy. So love is that people are they're lost. They're going, do we, do we have a sign? Right. And so as we flip forward and, and, and how this continues to play out, the people still question this even in Jesus' day, and, and they're addressing it. And, and this is in John 10, starting in, in verse uh, 23, and Jesus was walking into the temple. And so the Jews gathered around him and they asked him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So we've always been looking for a Savior. Our, our soul is always longing to be satisfied. We're always looking for some sort of salve. We're looking for some sort of salvation, something to, to calm the ache within our soul. And these people are they're looking at Jesus and they're going, are you the one? We've been feeling this tension since the Exodus. We've been hearing this promise that, that, so, that the Messiah will come. Are you the Messiah? And, and Jesus says to them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. I've, I've, I've shown you the signs, right? But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. Right? So remember, we, we're out into the wilderness to do what? To learn to hear the shepherd's voice. Because the people would have spent 40 years calling out to their sheep, seeing that when the sheep obey the shepherd's voice, it goes well for them. So they would have had a reminder for 40 years that when you follow the shepherd's voice, it goes well for you. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them into me is greater than, than all and no one is able to, to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. And so when we read the end of, of Numbers 15, and so shall you remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. It's a promise of presence. It's a promise of, of the Lord saying, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to shepherd you. Learn to hear my voice. And so we see that, what does Caleb do? Why, why, and so what do we see out of this? We see that the Lord brings redemption when we bring our brokenness. Okay, the, the two, so J, Caleb and Joshua, it's not that they were strong and courageous. They just recognized, yeah, Lord, like you told us to go out and find if there's good fruit. There's good fruit. Yeah, sure, there's big people in there and they're scary, but I don't know. Like you said, we're going to go, so we're going to go. And I'm going to figure it out as, as you show it to me. The other 10, they're like, oh, no, I don't think I can beat this guy. Well, it's not up to you. Swallow your pride. Kill your ego. Right? The Lord brings redemption when we bring our brokenness. So why is it important that we understand this? It's so that we can stop doing it on our own. Right? Like that's the hang-up here. Is these ten people are trying to figure, you know, and, and you see the way these ten people in their pride, they're going, Oh, I can't, there's no way I can do this, there's no way we got to go back to Egypt. These ten people in their pride, their inability to lay it before the Lord and go, yeah, Lord, this is out of my control. I don't really, like, you said you're going to do it, so I'm going to trust you. They get all puffed up in their pride. Like, no way, we can't do this. I can't overcome. And then that spreads throughout the rest of the nation. And what should have been a ten-day walk into the land flowing with milk and honey turns into a 40-year retreat and sojourn and lesson in humility and killing of the ego. So when we stop trying to do it on our own and recognize that we have been made from unity for unity. Right? We've been made from unity. We've been created out of, out of the, the triune presence of God. Their unity for unity. We're not meant to do this life on our own. We're meant to do this in communion with God. We're meant to listen to and learn to follow the voice of the shepherd. And when we begin to understand this, this helps us to empathize with our neighbor, right? This helps us to empathize with, with those in our own household. And we can start to see them as created in the image of God, and we can see that we're made to do this together. Right? Marriage doesn't work out very well apart from the Lord. Relationships don't work out very well apart from the Lord. Why? Because we're constantly trying to put our abilities in somewhere where like broken people break things. Right? It's healed people that can bring healing. So on my own, in my own abilities, I like I can't imagine trying to parent, trying to be a husband, trying to be a friend without the Lord, without having received grace. How can you extend mercy when you haven't received grace? I it blows my mind. And it also brings a seriousness about obedience, and we helped we, we see that, that the seriousness of obedience starts with acceptance. So often we flip this around in our culture, right? Where we say, if you've got to obey, you've got to obey everything, otherwise God won't love you. That's 
That's deism and animism. Christianity is different. The Lord says, I've accepted you and I've invited you into a life of obedience. So we start with acceptance and then we move to significance and sustaining. And so what happens if we don't understand that the Lord brings redemption when we bring our brokenness? What happens when we don't kill our ego? Well, we like, what, what happens to the ten? They only see life of, of what, it, what it is. They fail to see life of what it could be. They're so stuck up in, 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 and hung up in, in where they are in this obstacle in front of them, they don't see what the Lord has promised. They're so hung up in the temporal, they fail to see the eternal. They, as Ecclesiastes would say, they don't see life beyond the sun. They're so hung up in their inability to get over this thing in front of them that they don't see that the Lord has already conquered that and they just need to walk in obedience with Him. And that's not to say that there's not going to be struggle. And, you know, the following Lord is a cakewalk. I mean, just look at the life of Christ. Like, he didn't die a natural death. But it starts to wake us up to presence with the Lord. And so then what else happens if, if we don't understand, if we don't bring our, you know, if we don't see the Lord brings redemption where, where we bring our brokenness? Look at the community impact. I mean, imagine, like, imagine being one of those people. Imagine being one of the ten. How grieved would you be to find out that you were 10 days, you were less than two weeks, you were within a payday of the promised land, and you're going to spend the next 40 years walking, wandering, learning to listen. Like, would that not grieve you? Imagine being one of the, the, the followers, the, you know, the rest of the nation who, who looks on and sees this. Would you not be a little bit annoyed? Would you not have some regret? Imagine being, imagine being one of the kids. Kids, like, imagine that. Imagine that for a second, right? So, like, you, like, imagine the, the coolest thing that you've ever been a part of. Imagine, like, uh, just a, a life where, like, you get to go someplace. Maybe it's like Valley Fair combined with all your favorite restaurants. I mean, just imagine a place where, where life is good and, and you got to go there, and you were 10 days away. But then because of the, the, your parents' inability to follow the Lord, you had to walk around in the desert for 40 more years. Would that change the way that you live life? Would that change the seriousness with which you would follow the Lord? I think so, right? You'd want to make dang sure that you learn to listen to the shepherd. So we see the importance of being rooted in Christ, not just in the Christian religion, but actually being rooted in Christ. Because the older generation doesn't get to see the promised land. The older generation doesn't get to go in. It's always looking at a distance. And the younger wander instead of being rooted. So what should we do? The Lord ends this optimistically, ends this with hope. He says, repent and receive God's acceptance. And that's both for whether you're, whether you're in here and you've been following the Lord for years or whether you're just kicking around the tires of the faith, the invitation is the same to repent and to receive grace. We never grow tired. We, there's never a point where we get past receiving grace, where we get past receiving the Lord's acceptance. 
And then take seriously then those who are entrusted to our care. Who is the Lord placed in your life? And how are you, how are you, how are you helping them? How are you helping them to understand who they are? How are you helping them to use the, the, the language of Leviticus? Help them navigate their atonement. How are you helping the world around you understand who they are? Are you being a sign to the world around you that you've been blessed to blessed? And you're going, man, how, how do I do this? I'm tripped up. Like, man, like the Lord has given you words to read, a story to help to understand. And he's given us people around us. We, we, we can pray, those of us who are in Christ, I mean, we can, in the Old Testament, you had to go through the Levites to get in, and one day you'd have you know, the Holy of Holies. There's someone going in, and today, I mean, through the Holy Spirit, we can, we can approach the Father and speak as we hear in Numbers, mouth to mouth, face to face with the Lord. Do we do this? Do we do this? Do we help others do this? And so finally, let's, let's be that sign. Right? The Lord has, has clothed us metaphorically. Like, yeah, we, some of us have tassels. Some of us might have different things that we do to remember. But, but the Lord has clothed us with the Holy Spirit that we would go out to be a sign to the world around us that they would understand what it means to follow the Lord, what it means to be, as Dallas Lords calls us, happy little students of Jesus. What does it look like to hear the shepherd's voice and to go out into the world? That is who we've been called to be and what we've been called to do. To go out into the world and show the world to be that sign. Some of the people wonder, oh, like, Lord, could I just see a sign? And she will look at our lives and go, that's a sign. I knew that person before Christ. And only a miracle can, could have done what, what happened. Something has changed within that person. Do we show people that change? Do we explain to people that change? Do we help people to understand that change? Do we, are we helping people move from death to life? From life apart of Christ to life with Christ? A life where they turn away from the shepherd's voice to a life where they hear and obey the shepherd's voice. So a couple of questions for us to consider. Um, so the people, we see that they give counsel based on their insight. I heard it once said this way, everyone gives counsel. Is your counsel biblical? Are you giving counsel based on God's perspective or on yours? Because we see what happens when the ten give counsel based on their perspective and what the two how they gave counsel based on the Lord's perspective. So according to whose perspective do we give counsel? Is Jesus the center of our wisdom as believers? And then let's look at, at Numbers 14.3. Why is the Lord bringing the people out into the wilderness? And we said this to help them hear His voice. So how does that begin to inform the way that you live in the world? Sometimes we, we think about the world as, as a, sometimes people talk about it as a wilderness experience. But how does the wilderness experience in the Old Testament help us to understand the way that we live in the world? Are we learning to hear the shepherd's voice? In Numbers 14.24, Caleb's spirit is identified as different. As a believer, is your spirit different? If so, how? And where have you let personal preference get in the way of what God is trying to do in and through you? 
and for the people around you. So often we see our, our, our walk, our Christian life, is disconnected from the world around us. Oh, it's just about me and Jesus. There are ramifications for our following or not following the Lord. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. Because if we're assigned to the world around us, of who God is and what He's done and who we are and what we're to do, and if, we, if we're doing that, if we're being that sign, there, there, there should be impact in our community as a result of this. And so finally, on a practical level, what do you do to remember the goodness of the Lord? I've known a couple of people that they, they do the tassel thing. Maybe it's a, a bracelet or a ring. Maybe it's a journaling in the morning. I'm not sure what it is, but what do you do to help you to remember the goodness of the Lord? That it, that daily your life is centered around the Lord, that you remember that the Lord is to be at the very center of your life. So when we hear God's voice, we remember, we remind, and we rejoice. Let's remember that the Lord brings redemption where we bring, when we bring our brokenness. That the Lord brings redemption when we bring our brokenness. Let's remind others that we're to listen to His voice and let's rejoice that the Lord speaks and equips us to do this. That when He calls us into the wilderness, He doesn't call us out there to die by the sword, but He teaches us to hear His voice. The Lord has promised His presence to His people. As the Good Shepherd, He guides them with His voice. May you learn to follow His voice. May you receive his grace. May you don the clothing that He's given you. May you put on that robe. May you go out this week as a sign and a symbol of the grace and the mercy and the everlasting love of a Father who says that there's nothing that you can do that will make me not love you anymore. There's nothing that you can do that will make me love you any less. That I have made a way for you come to me. May that be the message that you go out this week. May that be the hope that you walk in this week. May that be the headline that burns its way into your mind this week. May that be what roots you this week. Go in peace. It's great to see you all. Great to be seen. We'll see you next week, right here or right there. Go in peace.